If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. I think it's important for people to know that if they look at someone maybe like me on Instagram or explorers or travelers, it's like, again, it's the over their itis where like, oh, they just got it all made and figured out that every moment is a challenge. But that's what's exciting about it. And when you're working for something you believe in and for yourself, challenge isn't necessarily bad and stress isn't necessarily bad. It just has to be the right kind. In this often divided world, what do we need to come together so we can collectively work towards a more sustainable future? Across cultures and language barriers, what are some universal truths about happiness that we can learn and implement? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. To receive weekly highlights from the podcast that can hopefully provide you with another dose of inspiration, you can subscribe for free at greendreamer.com. With that, to thank you for being here, you'll also automatically be entered to win our monthly giveaways. And for now, to our episode. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today grew up being homeschooled while traveling around the world with her parents. Her dad is a world-renowned adventure photographer for companies like Patagonia and National Geographic, and her mom is a naturalist and yoga teacher. Just imagine, her quote-unquote classrooms ranged from the flanks of Mount Everest on camel safaris across the desert in Rajasthan and in remote jungles and wild spaces all around the world. Definitely one of the coolest childhood stories I had ever heard of. Since graduating from University of Southern California Film School, which was the first time she went to school in a real classroom, she's been documenting her personal adventures from around the world in fun and lighthearted ways, focusing on survival, sustainability, and happiness. Just to give you an idea, she's been named the female version of Indiana Jones by Time Magazine, the Oprah of Adventure by Huffington Post, and has also been on Discovery Channel's TV show Naked and Afraid, from which she first 
firsthand experienced the serious issue of plastic pollution and has since dedicated a large part of her creative work to. Green Dreamer starting with what inspired her passion for the environment, here's Allison Teal. Wow, I literally was born into a life um, of adventure and sustainability. I was kind of that Tarzan child that was raised around the world. Um, my parents were photographers for companies like Patagonia and National Geographic and basically lived out of a tiny tent um, in the most remote and exotic corners of the earth. I think it started when I was, gosh, a couple weeks old. Um, <laughs> they took me a couple months old. Well, a couple weeks old, they took me on all kinds of wild adventures. And then when I was about two months old, they decided it was time to climb the highest peak in Southern Peru. Oh my God. And after that, it just became a, you know, whirlwind life of not glamorous, you know, cause you're, you're living off granola bars and yak butter and climbing Mount Everest at seven and going on camel safaris for months across deserts and to the uninitiated, you know, it may seem like the dream life, but I think to me, it was just, it was all I knew and it was, it was hardcore. But along the way, growing up in these gorgeous places and, you know, with remote beaches, a lot of my childhood was spent in Indonesia and Bali. Just watching over the years as plastic has plagued our coastlines and even our rivers, our inland areas. Um, so plastic in the ocean became a big thing for me um, in terms of sustainability. Uh, but at the same time, we we set up a base camp in Hawaii. We have the only um, oceanfront retreat center in Hawaii, and it's all sustainable and built it by hand since I was a baby. Um, my parents are, they're the real ones you should be interviewing. They're legit. <laughs> they walk their talk beyond belief. And um, we have the like Robinson Crusoe off the grid grass shack retreat center um, on the big island. And people can come from all over the world and, you know, experience living off the grid. And it's a pretty special spot. So I think just, you know, living it through and through between the adventures and my parents being pioneers, you know, I think we had some of the first solar power in Hawaii and my dad running his trucks on, you know, veggie oil smelling like McDonald's as we drive down the road. <laughs> um, so it's just been more of a lifestyle than a, um, even a choice. You know, that's all I've known. And now that I'm old enough to choose it, I, I've gone more wholeheartedly you know, as a filmmaker and a conservationist and a TV host into it to really make change and preserve our planet. At what point did you realize that your upbringing is so different than most other people's? <laughs> I mean, I still, I guess, realize it on a, a <laughs> daily basis. Um, it's pretty funny because, you know, growing up, I never went to school. I was homeschooled. Um, so my school took place, you know, on a dugout canoe going down the Amazon or in a small, you know, tea house lit by a yak oil candle <laughs> high in the Himalayas. Of, like, it was literally that kind of magical Disney adventure childhood. But at the base of it, all I wanted was to go to school, you know, and have friends. And it's like the grass is always greener, you know, because you, you live in this one life and you kind of on like airplanes, I would see like Disney movies and think, oh, a slumber party and like my own <laughs> school books. Um, and so when I was, you know, old enough to get a formal education, I really wanted to go. And I ended up getting a scholarship to USC film school, um, which was, you know, exciting, but also the biggest culture shock of my life. <laughs> and so I definitely realized then that my life had been a little bit different, you know, when it came to quite different, <laughs> being in, yeah, being in that realm with 
the the classes and the sororities and the teachers and the yeah it's different I feel like for us it's the grass is greener on the other side as we hear your story and we're like wow that sounds amazing I wish I had that right <laughs> well that's why I always talk about it in the sense of I call it like over there itis mm-hmm. where especially with social media nowadays you look at someone's account and it's like oh I want to be over there that's <laughs> it's so like real a, the the disease of over there itis. And, um, I definitely, I think I'm living proof of that. Not that I'm not a hundred percent appreciative of what my parents gave me and I wouldn't change it for the world. And I think it was the most valuable thing I could have ever done. But at the same token, it's just funny how the human brain always wants what it doesn't have and then can finally settle into hopefully being happy with your own story because that's where success comes is from telling your own story and, and owning it. For sure. So throughout your upbringing, you know, living in the wilderness and all that jazz, what was one of the craziest memories you have? Uh, <laughs> Probably a lot. Where, yeah, where do I begin? Um, <laughs> I, 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 there's, I mean, there's a gazillion of them. I, you know, if we go back to the idea of um, school, which I always think is kind of funny, um, there's been one story in my life that's kind of I want to say opened many doors and I never thought in a million years that going on an adventure up to Everest when I was like seven would end up being, you know, a door opener later in life. And, um, basically, you know, my parents were really big expedition skiers and explorers, which is funny because they tried to raise a a skier and got a surfer. Um, (laughs) and when I was, um, around seven, we went on this crazy expedition. We didn't climb all the way to the top of Mount Everest. I was very young, but you know, going up it to base camp and all around there and we got snowstormed in. And it was during that time when they made this film about, you know, the, the people that died up there. And like, it was a serious situation. And, um, we ended up at this tea house and I had never really had a friend before of my age, like maybe a monkey in the Amazon, but like a real <laughs> human. And I met this little Sherpa girl And my one dream, you know, was to go to school. And one morning she came and, you know, woke me up at like four in the morning. We didn't speak the same language. And she handed me some ropes and told me to tie them on my shoes. And we walked up over this like 17,000 foot pass at four in the morning. And as we'd go, these little Sherpa children would keep joining us until we got to the top. Um, There was like, you know, dozens of us. And I I didn't know what was going on, um, but she just kept telling me to follow her. And we'd build little fires to stay warm because it was probably the coldest, you know, I've ever been in my life. And, and um, I don't want to give it away. It's actually one of my my short films. Um, <laughs> but it ended up being my college essay that got me in and my thesis film that went on to like win at Telluride and get nominated for an MTV Movie Award. And it's basically my first experience attending school. But the Sherpa children walk over an almost 17,000 foot pass every day to go to school at the base wow. of Mount Everest. And it really gives you perspective on like, you know, what different lives are like. So that was a pretty powerful experience that I ended up, you know, telling that story. And, um, and it was a gateway to, you know, stories are the fabric of, of our world and our culture. And so we need to keep sharing them. Do you have this online? Can we link to this in the show? Yeah, it's called uh, Rita, which was her name. It's pretty special because with the internet and everything, she actually got to see the film in her tiny little, little village that, Oh. on some little satellite TV when it was on MTV of some way where, you know, <laughs> and now we've been in contact and she's become a nurse. And it's just special with um, the way that, you know, social media is such a blessing and a curse, but it does connect the world, uh, which is really, 
special. And so if you're ever going to complain about going to work or going to school, at least you don't have to climb over a 17,000 foot path. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll keep that in mind. <laughs> and we'll yeah. definitely link to this in the show notes so we can check it out as well. Um, and speaking of perspectives, how do you think your travels overall shaped your perspective on the world, maybe differently than most other people? You know, one time I had to kiss a snake to save my life. And I'll say that and people will be like, what? <laughs> and I don't mean this in like a, a weird sense at all. I mean it seriously in that when you travel and when you're in other cultures, it's a completely different perspective. Whereas, you know, they might come to one of our dentists in the U.S. and think we're out of our mind. <laughs> and we'll go to one of their, you know, um, shamans or what witch doctors or whatever it is that the systems that they they believe work to, you know, save lives or dispel evil spirits. And I'm not too wooey wooey. Like, you know, I was raised around the world. I've got the hippie parents, but I stay pretty grounded within it all because I like to keep an open mind. But it's just interesting when you are raised around the world, you you just kind of take things for their value. It's like I was in this market in Morocco and this very Aladdin looking man told me I was going to have a serious surfing accident if I didn't kiss this live cobra snake. And so I knowing that this needed to be done. And that was their culture, took his advice and kissed a snake and got in a pretty bad surfing accident. But I ended up being fine and my board was not. And, you know, so you could say maybe it was magic, maybe it was just happenstance, who knows. But those kind of things shift your perspective. Uh, even with when I did Naked and Afraid on Discovery, I could tell you story upon story where I'm like, what? That had to have been magic. You know, mm -hmm. how did I survive that moment? Um, so I think you just kind of tune more in with like nature and cultures and other things that could work. I'm not suggesting you go out kissing snakes. I guess another <laughs> tourist actually got bitten and died um, when he was given that as a, a prescription for, <laughs> for, for some, something. But um, it's just fun to learn other cultures and, and know that there's more out there. So if you're sitting there one day and you're like, I'm never going to to be healed from this, or I'm never going to be happy, or I'm never going to be able to have the life I want. Sometimes when you just set on an adventure, you meet another person, dive into another culture, you get a new perspective. And then suddenly you realize you can't have the life you want, or you can, you know, um, yeah, just become the healthiest, happiest version of yourself. For sure. So then what led you to starting Allison's Adventures? And what is that all about? Allison's Adventures! <laughs> um, my dad always makes fun of me because when I was younger, I started it when I was, you know, a lot younger, which is why the funny name, because I wanted to make, you know, if Disney and Discovery had a baby when I was first starting out, I'd always have, you know, all the tribes and the people that I'd meet with. We'd all be like, Alison's Adventures. They loved <laughs> they loved trying to say it. Um, but, you know, it originally started with me out of film school at USC wanting to kind of take up the torch of adventure filmmaking instead of just photography like my dad had because it's you know a new age where it's easier now to carry around film cameras and to also share the stories and kind of the mystery and intrigue of all the cultures I grew up in. But I started out shooting it and being the filmmaker and then realizing that they didn't want to talk to my camera, they wanted to talk to me. And I was like, hmm, this is going to be tricky, you know, like to try to selfie cam some chief in a village showing you their most, you know, sacred burial deep in a cave. And I was like, this is not going to work. I need someone to help me film. Um, so parents helped on some adventures, but you can't, you know, always be traveling with your, your parents. <laughs> um, so I've had some incredible team members along the way. 
um, become, you know, basically my cinematographers and I produce and direct and edit and do all of it. And it's evolved into a film series, a social media um, series and something that I produce in any means and ways I can and offer for free so that it can be shown in schools and be inspirational. And even though I set out kind of making it for kids and it has that very like fun, peppy, like you can probably hear it in my voice vibe. <laughs> I love um, watching it. <laughs> it ended up, well, it's fun. Yeah. It ended up kind of like going, Oh, thank you. Towards um, all ages. And I was like, just, it's just, it's such an honor and a dream come true that when you share something, people take interest and then it, it kind of just organically grew. And then recently Time Magazine named me the female Indiana Jones. And I've just since then been on a quest to better our planet through any means possible while staying true to my basic, you know, log line of seeking out mysteries and myths and legends. And I think education through entertainment is the key for what I do. Um, I really want it to be fun and exciting and like you want to watch it, not like, oh God, what do I have to learn today? Or, <laughs> you know, don't preach to me to not use plastic anymore. I'm yeah. sick of hearing about this. Like that's not, that's not how we have to live in this world. It, we have to want to protect our planet or, or protect our ourselves, you know, love ourselves, love the planet. If we love something, we want to protect it. And I've fallen in love with cultures and places around the world to the point where as I was doing my series, and maybe this is getting into another question, but as I was doing my series, I couldn't ignore what was happening mm -hmm. in terms of plastic waste um, mainly. And there's so many causes, you know, that I want to take up and anything from child trafficking to, you know, women's rights around the world. Like there's so much, but the plastic was just in my face. For sure. Every day. And I couldn't ignore it. So I started crusading <laughs> against it. And uh, now I've been able to instigate the cleanup of Trash Island and help get the plastic bag banned in California and then work to get the sunscreen um, banned, you know, the toxic sunscreens banned in Hawaii um, a couple months ago. So I just went from, hey, I'm going to create this fun adventure series to holy cow, my films are changing laws. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you're like the coolest human ever. This is like so inspiring for no, me to hear. No, you are. <laughs> um, I'd love to hear though, like, what do you think is your personal biggest challenge in what you're doing right now? Every moment. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, I think it's important for people to know that if they look at someone maybe like me on Instagram or this whole new generation of like content creators and explorers or travelers, it's like, oh, again, it's the over their itis where like, oh, they just got it all made and figured out. And I don't, I mean, you might be able to attest to this as well that every moment is a challenge, but that's what's exciting about it. And when you're working for something you believe in and for yourself, to me, it's not like, ah, it's like, ooh, challenge. You know, that's why I did Naked and Afraid. We didn't get paid. We didn't, it wasn't about that. It was a purely a, challenge. And I took on a challenge. And so I think challenge isn't necessarily bad and stress isn't necessarily bad. It just has to be the right kind and something that kind of drives you and keeps you going for sure. Um, I do think that travel, so I do pretty much everything on my own. Like I do the hosting of my films and I write it and I, um, you know, some of it's documentary or some of it I have to write voiceover to, I come back and I edit. And so I think, you know, for the two weeks that I travel, it might be six months editing. And that's mm. gnarly, like having to sit in a room with a computer and go over and over and over. And, you know, you're in this creative hole by yourself, just 
you know, obviously I have an amazing family and people that I can seek, you know, Hey, will you look at this edit? Um, but essentially if you create your own brand, you do the work. And I don't think, I think it's kind of this mystique that like people just have it made and there's, they just have these huge teams and everybody's just doing everything for them while they like eat grapes in a bikini in Bermuda. <laughs> and I don't think that's the reality of any of it. Um, and so challenge can be good, but it's also, you have to just like keep knowing that you're doing something good and the karma will come around. Hopefully. Yeah. So a huge chunk of this work is really behind the scenes. Oh yeah. I always go like, if I know what the reality is, would people, nobody wants to know like how much you're dying every day. Like I just got back from Jordan and I was in the Middle East. We slept probably two hours a night. We were in 110 degree water. We were supporting a women's cooperative. I was with the Cousteau family and um, it was amazing. You know, it was like a special thing for, with this Tread Right Foundation and we were doing all this great work and cleaning up plastic and Petra and it was awesome. But at the same token, like your health and sanity is also important. And it's no one making you do that or be in a, in a bad way. It's just that's the reality of travel between time zones and and you have like hard drives on hard drives of footage <laughs> and gear to carry around. And, you know, you're in these tribes and there's there's it's, it's just it's crazy. But if you pick something you're passionate about, you kind of get through those moments knowing okay, this is what I want to be doing. And at the end of the day, it's going to make a change in the world. And travel, like, really fuels your soul. And I always say, you know, if you travel with a purpose, I think that's the secret to happiness. When people come to me or when I hear them say, like, I don't like the life I'm living, I don't like the job I'm in, I wake up in the morning, I don't know what to do, and I, I want to travel the world, but I have no means to do it, and I have bills and this and this and this, and it's a reality. And I, I don't for one minute be like, Oh, just quit your job and like frolic to Costa Rica and everything's going to be okay. I think you get involved in your own community first with like, maybe there's an organization that's helping in Africa or in India or wherever you want to travel to. And if you start to be around those kind of people, you're going to eventually end up on some sort of adventure. Um, and maybe it's closer than you think. Maybe it's to Hawaii, you know, to help with <laughs> turtles or beaches or plastic and, and that will change not only the world, but it'll change your life. Because when you travel with a purpose, I think that's kind of the secret to happiness. And, you know, who, how many people do you talk to that are like, oh, my gosh, and I went on this one trip to Africa when I was 19 and I got to save the orangutans and chimpanzees, you know, and, and that changed my life forever. Um, I'm just kind of making this up. But, you know, it's it's something that having that life experience is better than anything you'll ever read about or see on a social post. Like you got to go experience it. I think I read a study where they talked about how material purchases, like our satisfaction with material purchases tend to decrease over time and our experiential purchases, like our satisfaction with it increases over time. So every time we, we reflect on those experiential memories, like we're always so touched and moved by them, even off into the future. Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, that's true. I have a lot of pink surfboards. They do make me happy. though. <laughs> I, I do like my surfboards. Uh, they're made out of recycled coffee cups. They're pretty special. But no, I totally agree with you. I mean, I've lived out of a backpack my entire life. And I like to think of myself mostly as a happy person. And I think the times I'm not is when I'm dealing with 
excess and places with excess and traffic and who has <laughs> what car and what dress. And, you know, I've really come to the point, though, and I've actually never talked about this before, but it's something I was thinking about last night at an event I went to in Hollywood is because, you know, I bridge many worlds. I'm like this coconut chick from Hawaii that has now had these opportunities to be able to go mingle in these other worlds. And it's a trip to me. And I kind of enter it like I'm entering this jungle, you know, and who are the people and what's the hierarchy of the tribe and what one piece of advice I would give what I always think about when I enter a room is every single person there is just as insecure as you are about what you're thinking in that moment. Like, what do I look like? Is my work good enough? Am I cool? You know, all those things that like usually run through your head when you walk into a room or if you have to public speak, we are all in the same canoe. Mm -hmm. I've never met one person that if you actually got into a deeper conversation with them would ever say like, oh no, you know, I'm absolutely perfect and confident and I can do absolutely anything and nothing will ever face <laughs> me. Like it's just, that's kind of not a reality. And then once you realize we're all in the same boat, it's just about compassion and and hanging in there and not caring about the material possessions because nobody has it figured out. I feel like that makes life way less intimidating when we take on that perspective. Absolutely. Because confidence is everything. So if you walk into some work with confidence, knowing that everybody else is in the same boat, it's just, it's that law of attraction, which I don't really like those like buzzwords, law of attraction. <laughs> um, but you know, it is that kind of, if you walk in, like you own the place and you're happy, with a sense of humbleness and compassion, of course, like you're going to just attract that. And, you know, if you come home at the end of the night, if you think about it, you actually probably won't remember what anyone was wearing or what cars or what you're not going to remember any of that. You're going to remember the things and how, how they made you feel when you meet someone, the one thing that they will remember is how you made them feel pretty much nothing else. And so I think that's one thing I've learned with my travels growing up with like tribes and different people that don't have much. It's interesting actually, because I was, I'll give you a, a, a little tidbit of advice from this main shaman that I met in like one of the last tribes on earth up in <laughs> the Indonesian jungles. And I asked him what the secret to happiness is. And he kind of smiled this toothless grin. And all he said was kindness. And I thought that was so interesting because the way that he was expressing that isn't like, oh, you go up to someone at a party and you're like, I love your hat. It's like, if you're kind to the trees, they will produce the fruit. If you're kind to the river, you know, you don't pollute it, then it's going to give you survival and fresh water. So it's like this circle of life. And I think if you kind of approach everything with kindness, whether it's a thing or a person or nature, then we will, we'll, we'll be fine. We'll survive. Yeah. Just put more good out into the world. Yeah. And it seems cheesy, but it's kind of true, you know, sure. it's, it's, it's not that complicated. Um, like if you're kind to yourself, then you're going to be a happier person. If you're kind to the people around you, then you're probably going to have a more successful, you know, relationship. Well, so from your experiences traveling all over the world and getting to learn from people, um, with different backgrounds, beliefs, cultures. What do you think it'll take for us to inspire more harmony and connection among humankind, like in spite of all of our differences? Hmm. I think realizing that we all have the exact same desires and hopes. And you might think that's funny because you're like, well, this person wants to be an 
rocket scientist and this person wants to be a dancer. But at the basis of it, like we all want to eat, we all want to, you know, have good family life. We all want to survive and over and over and over again, like I was just in the Maldives teaching these women in full burkas how to surf. The last people in the world that I would have thought would get on a surfboard <laughs> and, you know, love it. And it's just, it's such a trip that you never know what someone else actually desires or wants or thinks. And so, and, and what they're going through, well, they might be going through something you don't even know about. So don't ever have like expectations or assumptions just because you see someone that, you know, might look scary or might look one way or another, you can't, you can't judge a beast by its cover was the last film I made. And Mm. this is so random and out in a whole different world. (laughs) But my dream since I was little was to share that magic and fairy tales are real. That was kind of a focus because when I was growing up, I would watch Aladdin and, you know, Beauty and the Beast and all the, and be like, wait, but I just met Aladdin in Morocco. Like I was chilling with him in the desert. And then I realized that people didn't believe in these things. And I found out the Um, Beauty and the Beast is a true story. And I went and tracked the true story from the Canary Islands to France. And this may take a box of like, you know, what, what are the things I'm working on or what, what's happening next, but you guys can go check it out. I just finished it and it's called Don't Judge a Beast by its cover. And it's a pretty incredible story where this man was literally looking like a werewolf and brought as a boy to the King of France. And luckily the King realized that he was a man and not a werewolf and married him to this beautiful woman um, in a yellow dress. And they had kids who also turned out looking like werewolves. And there's a painting of, of Beauty and the Beast kids in like the secret room in a castle in France. And not to get off on a tangent, but I just think like that's what I've learned by traveling and seeing these other cultures and these stories and these fairy tales is that if we can hold on to these stories and these morals and these things that have been passed on from generations, whether it's like shadow puppet plays or a beauty and the beast story, you know, about a strong woman character and a beast that we can't judge by what he looks like, it may seem like fairy tales, but it's actually real. And it's important to pass those on and to live in them, you know, whether they're myths and legends in the Indiana Jones sense or something you read to your kid at night, I think they've started to kind of disappear from modern day culture. And I think that's important that we hold on to. And that's kind of what I wanted to be on a mission to do is, is share all these myths and legends before they disappear, because it's that ancient wisdom that's going to preserve our planet for tomorrow, because it's the indigenous people that are protecting most of our earth. Like that's, that's how it survived, you know, till, till now. Um, it's the primitive peoples that might have more answers than our technology um, has brought in. And I think that's incredibly fascinating. So if you go on my website and watch my films and check out the different peoples and cultures I've met along the way, that's what I've tried to share is this ancient wisdom that is, is fast disappearing. Well, we'll be sure to link to your films in the show notes so we can keep learning from you. Uh, but for now, what's next for you that we can look forward to and support? Yeehaw! Um, well, I uh, am... Ooh, this is exciting. I just got back from the Middle East. I was honored to team up with Celine Cousteau, who is an ambassador for the Treadwright Foundation. And she's the granddaughter of Jacques Cousteau, who's, for those who don't know... Um, incredible pioneer filmmaker, you know, oceanographer, um, diver, just 
just legit explorer and um she's carried on his legacy and we were joking though that it's you know two ocean activists stuck in a desert um but we had an amazing time empowering women there and also going to petra we made a really shocking discovery at petra um and i'm making a film about it right now that should be out in the next week or two and so that's exciting because it's full indiana jones it's actually where (laughs) indiana jones was filmed but it combines you know sustainable tourism and a way to share you know how to travel with a purpose and what we can kind of learn from someone like Celine and I teaming up to to make a difference in the world that's going to be a really powerful piece in terms of sustainability because I feel like it's just a buzzword that's like thrown around a lot mm-hmm. let's go green or let's be eco and you know I love following with what you do with sharing you know hey Maybe don't buy this that's made out of recycled plastic because it still has microfibers and let's go, you know, to this way. I think there's a lot of details that people don't know out there. And so what I try to inspire, because it can get stressful and confusing, is you just kind of have to live the best you personally can. Like if you can try to use a reusable water bottle, that's awesome. You can't stress yourself out to the max because if you get unhealthy and stress trying to save the world, you're not going to be any good saving the world. And that's what I've learned a lot lately is like, you really got to, I'm sure you have a lot of listeners that are just like, so down and out about what's happening in our world right now. And you just can't get there. You can only do what you can do. And I've seen a lot happening recently that are solutions. And even being in Jordan with these full on, you know, Islamic Bedouin tribesmen, who are helping me pick up plastic, you know, around like an ancient site. It was just such a, a cool feeling to feel like we're all coming together where most people might run the other way in fear. We were having the time of our life and we were coming together over picking up plastic bottles. Um, and so I just think that in terms of sustainability, it really needs to be kept fun and light and happy. And then people will want to learn from you. But if we preach and make it this like doomsday thing, I think that it turns people off. And so I'm like, well, how do we not preach to the choir? How do we get to a bigger audience so we can really inspire coming together and making change? Totally. Well, where can we go to continually stay updated with your work and to learn from you? And where are you on social media? I'm everywhere. (laughs) Um, No, follow me. Um, Well, Allison's Adventures is the name of my different accounts. I think it's Allison Adventure on Twitter because it was it was too long. The characters, but yeah. Allison's Adventures, uh, yeah, A L I S O N S uh, Adventures on Instagram and YouTube, and just constantly putting up whether it's you know travel advice, sustainability advice, just downright rad adventures, amazing people that you'd never meet around the world that um, I can introduce you to and also kind of like how to live that life of your dreams that you aspire to, but in a way that, um, I guess keeps the planet happy. It's funny because this is like probably the most sustainable podcast I've done. And it's probably the least I've talked about sustainability, but if you have any questions in that realm, I mean, I know a lot of viewers probably know facts about plastic and, and such like that, but, um, if you have specific sustainability questions, I'm happy to, to help in that realm as well. 
So more and more people have been messaging me about their interest in our upcoming 2019 Green Dreamer planners launching in December, and that makes me super, super excited. When I asked what would be most helpful to you in your ideal planner, what you'd like to be included, I got feedback that it'd be helpful for me to add additional blank bullet journal pages at the end of every month, so then you can have extra space to lay out whatever it is would be most helpful to you, whether they're monthly habits, uh, action steps ideas, inspirations. So I did that. In addition to the environmental awareness days, weekly mental, physical, eco-health actions to cross off, goal-setting guides, and inspirational quotes sprinkled throughout, you now will also have extra blank pages to plan things out in whatever ways would be most helpful to you. Hopefully, you'll then be able to really customize this planner according to your needs. Also, I'm going to be revealing the final cover design soon, and I'll do so through our newsletter. So if this sounds like it'd be helpful to you in planning out your 2019, feel welcome to subscribe to our newsletter to stay updated at greendreamer.com. For now, to our final five. Let's power through. What's a uplifting social media account or a publication you follow? I'm going to be brutally honest. I do my best to stay out of following things online or on social media for inspiration. I usually try to walk out in nature or jump on my surfboard. Podcasts like to listen to people like you, um, but I truly don't go on there really for inspiration. Like I'll see a shared quote on Facebook and maybe I'll share it or send it to someone, but um, I'm just honest you know, I, I'll, I'll use social media to maybe check up on my friends and see what they're they're doing, but I, I don't really get into it. I feel like I already am on my computer and on social so much that when I want to find inspiration, I need to find it in nature. Mm. If we stay connected to nature, that's the absolute key because then we'll protect what we love. What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? Ah, you can do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't, I just have this and I mean, lots of chocolate, of course, you have to always eat <laughs> chocolate helps. and, and coconuts. Yeah. Um, exercise is incredibly important and, you know, life is really darn short, which is why you should also eat a lot of chocolate, but it's just short. And it's like, if you're stuck in something you don't want to be doing, or if you get to a point where you're like, I just can't keep going. Well, why? I mean, look, we're given this magical thing called life where you're literally given every opportunity in the world, even though you may think you don't have it, to do what you want with it. And one piece of advice I always say is um, <laughs> I always live life on my trust fund. And people kind of look at me funny. And I'm <laughs> like, no, I trust. I trust the funds will be there. <laughs> and I think that's the one main thing that kind of stresses people out or like, I can't go on and I can't keep inspired because I can't pay for this or I can't do that. Well, you got to really step into that trust fund baby attitude of trusting everything's going to be there because um, I didn't come from money or anything. And somehow with, you know, two coconuts and a granola bar, I've been able to, to make a lot of change and do what I do. And so and humor. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Get with someone who can, yeah, tell you a joke and just gotta keep that humor if you lose your humor you're poof, you're done <laughs> watching your films does that for me so thank you <laughs> thank you of course um what's one thing you do for your health either daily or weekly surfing uh da, 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 da. i i'm not a competitive surfer i'm a soul surfer i guess you could call me a professional surfer in the sense that 
you know, my livelihood, I guess, has been surrounded around surfing. When I first created my Allison's Adventures, I joked that I was a girl with a pink surfboard and a camel um, <laughs> on a quest to, you know, solve mysteries and myths and legends to better our planet. And my image is even me with, you know, a, my, my logo on a camel with a pink surfboard. And it's made out of recycled coffee cups and plant resin. I know that surfboards are very toxic, but I work with sustainable surf and um, earth technology surfboards and lost surfboards to really make, um, I work with the kids, you know, to paint them with, with plant resins. And we take recycled like microwave packaging or coffee cups and melt it down and, and make it into the boards. Um, so a lot of people are like, surfing's toxic. Why do you do that? I'm like, don't worry. Okay. Don't <laughs> There's panic. always a way. <laughs> yeah. Don't panic. It's organic. Um, surfing the ocean. I think they've even statistically proved somehow now that like surfing, brings you happiness because of the positive you know it's like standing under a waterfall and you get all those positive ions of water sure. and personally I love surfing my mom's one of the greatest yoga teachers on earth so you got to kind of rebel you know against what your parents do <laughs> but um she definitely has shown me that yoga saves the world and your body but it's not just about poses it's about a lifestyle mm. um yeah so eating well and kind of living that that yogic being but just go hug a tree especially coconut <laughs> trees Yes. Uh, what's one thing you're working on right now to live more sustainably? Ooh, everything. I mean, for me, the plastic thing is just such a big issue. Like everywhere I go, I try to bring like my own coffee cup to Starbucks. I mean, they're even saying that I think 98% of Americans have BPA in their body, like plastic oh, no. basically in their, it's super toxic. Like guys, we're kind of killing ourselves. So <laughs> it's, it's a little important to quite important. Not only for the, it's important. I mean, 70% of our oxygen comes from the ocean. Like not a lot of people know these things. And I'm trying, I'm learning as I go. Like I'm not a scientist and I'm not an expert. On, I'm, I'm learning. I'm just like everyone else out there. And so anytime I can, you know, use my own water bottle, bring my own straw, straws are killers, try to replace single use plastics in your life. Uh, that's, that's been my big mission right now. Mm -hmm. And to just get out in nature, like go frolic. You don't even have to do anything to be sustainable. Just go into nature and that will be being more sustainable because it's going to rub off on everyone. Uh, what makes you most hopeful for a planet right now? Oh, everything. Millennials. I think, you know, as much as millennials and or, or, or I don't know, I guess I'm kind of on the cusp, but as much as this younger generation and growing older generation is obsessed with social media and phones and all that, I feel like it's also some of the most progressive people I've ever met. And, you know, when I was young, yoga was like the weirdest thing in the world. I would get made <laughs> so much fun. I mean, I would live in, I lived with like Patabi Joyce when I was 12, who invented Ashtanga yoga, you know, in ashrams in India and had to be with all the wild hippies. And I remember growing up just being like, oh Lord, will I ever be cool? Because people would be like, oh, you know, do you want granola with your yogurt. And I think that we are in a different age right now. And the fact that there's a yoga studio every like five feet, I'm like, whoa, the things my parents said, you know, would be cool one day are, I think that that's really fascinating and just shows that there's major hope. And even like the Pope yesterday, there were or last week, there was like huge headlines that he's saying plastic pollution is now an epidemic in our world. And the queen was like, you know, in one of my press articles in the UK, she was sharing that we need to do something about plastic. And I'm like, what? Like, this is so crazy. <laughs> 
um, that it's actually happening. And so I have a lot of hope right now that we're just going to fly away into keeping our planet alive. And I think the one thing is that we need to understand is our planet's going to be fine. It's the human race that's not that's in big jeopardy right now, like from all the Nat Geo scientists and people that I've been able to collaborate with and, you know, start to understand this more, the planet will regenerate, but humans can't survive in, you know, a planet that doesn't sustain them. And so that's what's powerful and scary and why we should care. Mm -hmm. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? I would say live aloha. You know, aloha is like, hello, it's goodbye. It's what I scream out to everyone. I hate a lot. Like, aloha, aloha. But, you know, I think just spreading the aloha around the world is, is really important. And like smiling and talking to people. I think the number one thing that's starting to happen is we're disconnecting from each other. So talk to people because if you want to live a different life or you want to find you know, a way to accomplish your dreams or your goals. And you're standing in the grocery line at the supermarket, the person behind you might just be that person to open a door for you. And I think that the human on human interaction and connection is incredibly valuable. I know to finish it off again, I'm no expert or scientist, but you can Google this. They did like a, I think a 70 year long study or something at Harvard about what made people happy. So at the end of the life, they looked back and was like, what was the thing that they value the most or that, you know, they, that made them happy. And it was good relationships with other people. Mm. And so I think just really nurturing that relationship, which can be with people, with the earth and with whatever God or goddess or, you know, um, person up there that you want to be connected with. Um, manifestation is totally possible. And I've, seen it over and over and over and over again in my own life that the number one thing I'd say as advice to accomplish your goal or your dream is to already live it. So if you want to be a baker, you better start baking. <laughs> or if you want to be a surfer, you better start surfing. And if you build it, they will definitely come. To realize your dreams, just start living it. Green Dreamer, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find the two tweetable key takeaways from this interview, as well as links and resources at greendreamer.com slash 83. You can reach me with feedback on how I can improve the show for you through the website's contact page. And you can follow me on Instagram at Kamea Shane. That's K-A-M-E-A-C-H-A-Y-N-E. And finally, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, Hit subscribe and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.